What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode 15. My name is James Scully. Today on The Wall Breakers, we have another tale in wall breaking history. It's now officially June 2015, and our topic this month on The Wall Breakers is community. Where community comes from is the American holiday on June 14th, Flag Day. And on June 14th each year, Americans are encouraged to fly the national flag. I get community from that because whether you are American or you are not living in America or wherever you might be in the world, the stronger your sense of community around you, the more confident chances are that you're going to be because you'll have a seemingly stronger network of support around you. Now, your family could be your community. Your friends could be your community. Your actual neighborhood, city that you live in can also be your community. And on that note, today our story is known as the most important moment in both Brooklyn and baseball history. And now that to you might seem like a bit of a stretch before you hear the story, but I think that most people would agree once they hear it. Last week I was thinking to myself that after having a personally incredibly productive fall where I had left New York and was trying to figure out what to do with my life, and winter where I'm coming back to New York, the wall breakers relaunched. I got myself a new day job that has been going very well and have been working hard at it, that for personally creative projects in the spring, I hit a little bit of a lull. I had to ask myself the question as to whether I had only been running the wall breakers with as much intensity as I had been running the wall breakers because I was not satisfied at a day job or with other aspects of my life and because I had received now a higher level of satisfaction at my day job was I suddenly no longer as emotionally invested in the wall breakers. And while I think it's important to ask yourself these questions all the time, I've also come to the realization that no, that's not true. I am as emotionally invested in the wall breakers as I've always been, but I think sometimes that we all hit periods where we've turned ourselves on for as long as we can. And for me, it was probably a six month period of really working my rear end off day in, day out to figure out what to do with my life, essentially. You're going to have a period afterwards where you hit a little bit of a lull and you, and you get comfortable. And look, we can't always be turned on and working our butts off. But I also understand that if you're going to run a content-based website, you have to produce content. I'm excited for it to be June for a, a multitude of reasons. I have a bunch of weddings this month, some of which are friends, some of which are family that I'm excited for. I also am excited for the warm weather in New York City itself. It's good to get outside and to see people that you don't see for six, eight months at a time. It's good to get that green glow from the winter off of your skin. And it's good to remember that no matter where you live, whether it be the biggest city in the world like New York City or uh, the suburbs or a rural area, there is a community all around us that we can tap into at all times and we can make ourselves feel better about ourselves because we'll have more human interpersonal connections with each other. You can get these podcasts by subscribing via iTunes, by searching for The Wall Breakers on iTunes. It costs you nothing. It's free. Once you do that, they'll automatically be downloaded to any device that you have that has a podcast player on it, be it through iTunes or through the podcast app on your iPad or iPhone. You can also get these podcasts by going to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers or following The Wall Breakers on SoundCloud via the computer or also the SoundCloud, iPad, iPhone, and Android app. If all else fails, remember that you can go to thewallbreakers.com 
T-H-E-W-A-L-L-B-R-E-A-K-E-R-S.com. And you can listen to the latest podcast in a reverse chronological order in a right-hand rail player on the website on every page. To reintroduce today's topic, it is baseball season in New York and in the rest of the world. And today's story centers around an incredibly important moment in American history and in baseball history, and it happened in the borough of Brooklyn. So stay tuned right after this pause for Breaking Walls episode 15, the most important moment in the history of Brooklyn and baseball. It's Tuesday, October 15th, 1946, and it's Game 7 of the World Series at Sportsman's Park in St. Louis between the St. Louis Cardinals and the visiting Boston Red Sox. The score is 4-3 to three Cardinals. It's the top of the ninth inning, and it's Boston's last chance to tie the game. On the mound for the St. Louis Cardinals is pitcher, left-hander, 5'10", 160-pounder, Harry the Cat Brasheen. Brasheen came into the game in relief in the eighth inning, got three outs after Boston scored two to tie the game. And thanks to Eno's country slaughter scoring from first base in the bottom of the eighth inning on a double, the Cardinals took the lead, and Brasheen is in line for the win if he can pick up these last three outs. It won't be so easy, though. Boston has made their first World Series since the era of Babe Ruth, and they're not going to go down without a fight. They have Ted, the splendid splinter Williams, in their battery, and he would go on to later be known as the greatest hitter who ever lived. Rudy York of the Boston Red Sox leads off the ninth inning with a clean first pitch single to left field. Paul Campbell, who's got much more foot speed than York, replaces him at first base as a pinch runner. He's the tying run. Bobby Doerr is up next. He, too, smacks a first pitch ground ball single up the middle. Campbell heads to second. Just like that, two pitches, two singles, and Brasheen, he looks a bit wobbly. The tying run in the person of Campbell is now just 180 feet away at second base, and the leading run is on first with nobody out. The next batter, Michael Pinky Wiggins. This would actually turn out to be Wiggins' final Major League Baseball game as he retired after the season. Would he go out, a hero or a goat? With the count two balls and one strike, Brasheen gets Wiggins to hit a ground ball to third baseman Whitey Kuroski, who attempts to turn a double play. The Cardinals get the lead runner Bobby Doerr out at second base, but Wiggins beats the relay throw at first. That's known as a fielder's choice. Now, there's a runner on third base in the person of Campbell and a runner on first in the person of Wiggins. Boston is 90 feet away with only one out from tying the game. A sack fly will do it. A bunt to second base might do it. A ground ball that squeaks through the drawn infield might do it as well. And that doesn't even take into account any of the other possibilities that involve actually getting a hit or a drop third strike from the catcher that goes all the way back to the backstop. There are so many ways that Boston can tie this game, and Brasheed needs to dig down. Like I mentioned, the Cardinals, they bring the infield in. This could prevent a soft ground ball from scoring the runner at third. There are rumblings now in Sportsman's Park. Harry Brasheen maybe needs to come out of the game. He could blow the whole season right here. But Brasheen is not a man who lacks confidence. The veteran of World War II had won 15 games in 1946, and would later even receive some MVP votes 
from the Baseball Writers of America after the season. The next batter is pinch hitting catcher Roy Partee. With the count one ball and one strike, Brasheen gets Partee to hit a high, lazy fly ball just to the right of first base in foul territory. The absolute worst thing that a Boston fan could want. Future Hall of Famer Stan Musial, perhaps the greatest National League player in history of baseball, camps under it in foul territory and makes the catch for an easy out. It's just what Brasheen needed. Now there are two outs, but Boston, they're not done yet. Manager Joe Cronin, he himself a future Hall of Famer, decides to bring in utility man Tom McBride, a right-handed batter, to pinch hit. In baseball, as the hitting team, you tend to want to match up a right-handed hitter against a left-handed pitcher and vice versa because a curveball or a slider breaks into a batter of the opposite hand as the pitcher and makes it a little bit easier to hit. And Boston's manager, Joe Cronin, has a lot of faith in Tom McBride to deliver off the bench. He hit 300 in limited at-bats in 1946. Brasheen digs in. Spits a chaw tobacco out of his mouth. Looks over at first base at the runner Wiggins. Then checks over at third to Paul Campbell. Campbell dances off third, trying to get Wiggins to perhaps break to second. Trying to get Brasheen to perhaps balk and send him home trotting. McBride steps out of the batter's box. He looks down at third base coach Del Baker for the sign. Campbell looks at him, nods in approval, like there's an inside joke that none of us are all in on. He digs in. The first pitch from Bashim, fastball, up and away, ball one. Now, the crowd sits tense on the edge of their seats. There is a sense of clear-cut, palpable angst amongst the 60-plus thousand people and the more standing outside the stadium hoping to hear noises in St. Louis. We're now potentially one pitch away from triumph or tragedy. The next pitch is a fastball again. This time, it's a good one. Over the inside corner, at the knee, strike one. One ball, one strike. Brasheen to McBride. McBride steps out, calms himself, and glares down at Harry Brasheen. This would be the first and only time these two would ever face each other. McBride, he thinks he has Brasheen measured. He's just waiting on his pitch. Then, Brasheen does something McBride didn't expect. He throws him a hard curveball. McBride swings, thinking it's a fastball, and taps a weak ground ball to second baseman Red Schoenweist, who flips the ball over to shortstop Marty Marion for an easy out at second base. World Series over. Now, you might be asking yourself, James, I thought you said this took place in Brooklyn. I thought you said this was the most important moment in baseball and Brooklyn history. Why are you telling me a story that takes place 2,000 miles away? And certainly is anticlimactic, no? Well, the story that I just told you is not the most important moment in baseball history. It is the last on-field moment before the most important moment in baseball history. Because that next spring in Brooklyn, New York, on April 15, 1947, in the neighborhood of Flatbush at Ebbets Field, Jackie Robinson trots out from the home dugout to first base when he takes his position in the field. Jackie Robinson, at this exact moment, is the first African-American man to play Major League Baseball since Moses Fleetwood Walker. 
1884. And from the moment that Robinson steps out of the dugout, there is a whirl of sound and emotion around him. Some boo, many cheer. After all, Brooklyn has always been a melting pot of culture and progressiveness centered around commerce, something that baseball had his hand in since 1876 formation of the National League. Some people, they just stare in awe, unable to comprehend what they're seeing. For 63 years, a silent agreement between the baseball owners had kept all darker-skinned players from playing Major League Baseball. That is, until Dodgers general manager Branch Rickey found the one man with the right blend of skills, self-awareness, and temperament to handle the absolute burden of being the first African-American player in the 20th century. Between that moment that Robinson stepped out of the dugout and when he got to first base, all that emotion pulsating through Ebbets Field in America was fixed on him. By the time he got to first base, 200 feet, dugout, first base, 10 seconds at the most, he knew he belonged. Brooklyn Dodger fans accepted him with open arms, but they couldn't have done it if he didn't have the courage to take the first step out of the dugout. We all have moments in our lives where we doubt ourselves. Sometimes they're almost on a daily basis, even if they're just momentary things where you're reading a menu and you don't know what to order. You think you want something, should you get it, is that going to give you love handles? It's incredibly important to remember that not only do we have within all of us the empowerment to accomplish anything, but as we do so, there will be a community of supporters around us. Sometimes we tend to focus on the naysayers instead of the positive voices we hear. I think rationally we all realize, why bother? Don't bother. Who cares what the naysayers have to say? Or listen to what they have to say. Take the rational instances of progressive constructive criticism they might be lobbying at you to make yourself better. But remember the support of the community all around you. There are positive voices in your life at all times. We all have a personal community. Without community, there is no human life. Think about that. If you were alone on an island, you wouldn't even be able to procreate. What if there was an animal that was too big for you to kill by itself? Basically, we would have no human life because the only thing that makes us truly human beings and not plants or not a board of driftwood floating in Coney Island is that human connection between yourself, myself, and the people that we care about. If you are listening to this right now, you and I are part of the same community. Remember, whatever it is that you might be going through at this moment, whatever that emotion is, good, bad, fears, anxieties, overjoyment, hope, expression, courage, passion, rage, you're not alone. We are people, and therefore we are in this together. Did you ever go to a one-person wedding? Did you ever go to a one-person funeral? No. We as a community are in this together. And as a reminder, because of the most important moment in baseball history and possibly in Brooklyn history, at this time, keep in mind, there was one national sport. Football, only a glimmer in the eyes of people who want to make it such. Basketball, just barely figuring itself out. Hockey, yes, the Stanley Cup existed, but it was in no way, shape, or form anything like the national pastime. And when things look dark or hopeless in your life and you're unsure if you can keep going, you only need to remember 
the courage that Jackie Robinson had on April 15, 1947, with an entire world looking upon him. He wasn't just a first baseman. He wasn't just a baseball player. He wasn't just a New Yorker. He wasn't just a Brooklynite. He wasn't just an African-American. He wasn't just an American. He was a human from planet Earth. With courage tapped into his DNA, just like you and me. You got this. I want to thank you once again for tuning in to Breaking Walls. This has been episode 15. This month's topic is, as you might have guessed at this point, if you hadn't heard the intro, community. And it comes from Flag Day being in June. And it's a good reminder that once you have remembrance in your life, our topic for May, and you know where you came from and how you got to where you're at, you can look around you at all of the people that are in your life and what they've contributed. None of us get anywhere by ourselves. Even Jackie Robinson, who had the courage to break the color barrier in 1947 in Major League Baseball. If nobody cared, well, if nobody cared, then we wouldn't have had to do that in the first place, and there wouldn't have been racism. But if Branch Rickey didn't have the courage to sign him, if his wife didn't have the courage to help lead him, if the baseball players on the Brooklyn Dodgers didn't have the courage to accept him, the point is that Jackie Robinson is the head of this particular story. He is the prototype from which we can all base moments and courage on. But his own community support system gave him the courage to be the man that he knew he could be and execute that particular thing that he knew he had the courage to execute. I have an interview lined up with a business owner that shall remain nameless so far this month that I hope to bring to you on the middle of June. The topic for that discussion will be branching out in your career and starting your own business, some of the things that you need to know. And I have a feeling that as time goes on with the wall breakers, regardless of the monthly topic or the year, there are certain topics like this one branching out and to start your own business that will be repeat topics with repeat guests because there are so many different ways that you can do things in life and there is no one set protocol. What the Wall Breakers hopes to bring you is voices of reason and um, points of advice that you can use for your life. I encourage you to please rate, review, and subscribe to the Wall Breakers via iTunes. I'm going to continue to try to make sure that I bring podcasts to you twice a month on the 1st and the 15th of the month. I also am aware that if I don't do that on these days and you guys start to not know when uh, content will be released, there's going to be a big drop-off in your uh, desire to care. So, I can promise you that this podcast, which is being released on June 1st, 2015, episode 15, that is, of the Wall Breakers podcast, Breaking Walls, will precede episode 16, which I plan on releasing on June 15th of 2015. And until next time, I hope that as the calendar turns from May to June, things are going well in your life. I think sometimes things are going well, and we have trouble appreciating them. And I think sometimes things aren't going so well but we look at the bad things that are happening instead of looking at all of the good things that are going on. Much like if you only remember what the naysayers told you instead of remembering what the supporters told you. Sometimes it is okay to do things in spite of the naysayers to prove a point. But I don't necessarily know that happiness comes from that. I think that's a very me-centric way to live in the end. And one thing that if we've ever experienced any kind of happiness in life, which most of us have, more often than not, it's because of other people in your life as well. We is always stronger than I. 
and there is no I in team, just like Jackie Robinson realized in 1947. So until next time, guys, I want you to please get out there into the world. I would like to extend sympathy to those who might be going through tough times at this moment. You got this. It's going to be difficult. Sometimes the road ahead is unsure, but just try to remember what the next step in front of you is. If you're in a dark room and the only thing you have is a small candlelight, you can't look too far down the road. You can only see what's right in front of you. So get out there. Keep breaking those walls down in front of you. Sometimes it feels like those walls that are in front of us are made out of diamonds and there's no way that we can push through them. But remember, you got this. Keep breaking those walls, guys. My name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls Episode 15. And until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much.